Hey, it's Arrow. Welcome to PodFest. Bringing together three different conversations from musicians to authors, doctors, environmentalists, or cooks in their own kitchen. These are real people with real stories. PodFest 48 features a memorable one-on-one conversation with one of comedy's funniest and controversial, Mr. Gilbert Godfrey. Then we're going to step into the world of EDM, electronic dance music, with DJ and producer Glenn Morrison. Our third conversation is with a man of great mystery with his feet always locked in on truth. It's magician Hannibal. Podfest 48. Unplugged and totally uncut with the legendary Gilbert Godfrey. You are that showman that everybody wants to meet. And but I've always wondered what is it like for you to personally go through that? Uh, it, it's pretty crazy. Um, I, I, I feel like anywhere you go, I, I feel like if I went on Mars and they said we got to go out and do press, then it would be like the early morning host would look and act the same on Mars <laughs> as they do down here. And then there'd be a, a bunch of radio shows called, you know, Captain Wacky and his morning <laughs> Yeah, because, I mean, it, it's a different atmosphere every station that you go to. And then you have to go do television. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, television all looks the same. Yeah. And it's always cold in there. Yeah, oh. Always cold in there, and and there's always a cooking set. <laughs> <laughs> and they ask if you want some, and they think, you know, I really don't want steak at six in the morning. <laughs> How have you stayed so fresh with the comedy? That means to me, when when I watch you, it's like you you've got to be the king of awareness. Yeah. I, 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 I never was called that before. <laughs> because, I mean, with all the things that are going on in the world, you know it. It's like you could be that guy that's doing television news. Yeah. Or, well, see, I, it, that's the funny thing. When you realize when you actually start doing these shows, I used to watch newscasters and think, oh, God, they're so smart. They're so <laughs> yeah, yep. And then you go and you look, and there's the teleprompter in front of you. And I could talk on any subject, too, if I had a teleprompter. <laughs> so when Disney announced that Aladdin is going to be, uh, they're going to bring it out to live, like the new Beauty and the Beast, are you going to try out? Uh, yes, I'll be uh, flapping. <laughs> I'm going to fit me for a giant parrot. <laughs> I, see, I, I saw like the stage show mm-hmm. of Aladdin, and there they had just a person named Diago. Really? Yeah. And so I don't know what they're going to do in a live show, but if they don't have me, I, I'm not going to be in a hurry. <laughs> so do, when, when you're part of a major production like that, and you've been a part of, of our life for all these years, don't you feel like an album because you're, you're a part of our soundtrack? Uh, yeah, it's, um, I, it, it's a weird thing that, that I, you start to realize what you've done when people start going, oh, like either, you know, a lad I get all the time and the other one is a problem child, <laughs> yeah. the aristocrats. <laughs> or or when, you're, when you're doing the comedy roast. Oh, yeah. Oh, you know we tune in for you. We have to see what you're oh, going to say. <laughs> 
it, do they give you enough time to write material or yeah yeah well yeah, yeah i yeah and it's like they sometimes it's a rush job though i've had a few times because i live in new york and they'll call me and say uh can you be in l.a tomorrow really yeah but it's always been fun because insulting another person and they have to sit there and take it to show they're a good sport. <laughs> <laughs> Could you do that? Could you be on that side of it? Yeah, I well, I mean, they insult you a little just by being on the dais. But uh, see, I'm, I'm as hypocritical as anybody. It's like I can make fun of somebody who's dying of some dread disease. But if they make fun of the shirt I'm wearing, I feel like, oh, well, now they've gone. <laughs> that's, that's just, no, it's all fun and games until someone gets hurt. <laughs> yeah. To become you, was it was it was it difficult to because you you know that you're a character, but at the same time. How? How did you? How did you develop this guy? Never consciously. Really? Yeah. It's like after a while, you wake up one day and go, "Oh, I've been my delivery's been like that for." <laughs> and, and it's like never consciously. People say, "Ah, how did you develop it? Was it a relative you had or something?" Never once. But if they did like an autobiography with somebody. Uh, like a biography with someone playing my part, then they'd write in some part where I see a guy who talks like Oh, speaking of biography, I should say some guy did a biography of me recently. Really? It'll be coming out in April. It's called Gilbert. Uh, I don't know where he got the title from. <laughs> and, uh, it's opening in Tribeca. So that's really as prestigious. And um, like, oh, and I also have my podcast, Gilbert Gottfried's Amazing Colossal Podcast. So we got to talk about podcasts because we were before you arrived. We were talking about analytics. Who is your listener? How long did they stay? Do you play that same game with yourself when you're sitting there posting everything? Uh, it's funny with the podcast. Like the idea I had before I even went on is I wanted to dig up people from the past, like from old TV shows, people who have been forgotten about, like. I, I had on two members of this old comedy show called F Drew. Oh, really? Yeah, Larry Storch and Ken Berry. Four <laughs> members of Batman, Wes, Burt Ward, and uh, two of the cat women, wow. Julie Newmar and uh, Lee Merriweather. And I thought people, they not, you know, the audience is not going to know these people. Exactly. And, and they're not going to listen. And I've been surprised that they didn't know these people, but they still like listening to them. See, I learned, because I, I, I've talked with Pat Boone twice now, yeah. and people go, why do you want to talk to him? Because he's got stories. Oh, yes. And, 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 and he, Pat told me one time, he says, if they haven't heard my music, then it's brand new. Yes. And, and, he, and, and I thought, I have to talk to him then. So and, and that, but don't don't you love their stories? Oh yeah, I, I it's it's amazing. And they'll 
They'll be talking about other people who've died years ago. Yeah. They'll have great stories. It's a the, 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 Dick Van Dyke was. Uh, I talked to him. Yeah. He was unbelievable. Right. <laughs> yeah. It's amazing to me. There, I'll have people on in their nineties. And their their memories are much better than mine. Yeah. You know, I can't remember your job I did last week. And they'll remember like a job they did like you know seventy years ago. And Dick Van Dyke told us a story that him and a, another former guest, this old comedian, um, oh, what was his name now? God, see, I can't. Remember. <laughs> and he, uh, Orson Bean. Really? And that he and Orson Bean, when they were struggling performers, trying to make a living, uh, their only form of entertainment to go to during the day was at the zoo. They they had a chimp who used to sit around and masturbate. I can also be and observe the the monkey. And I I don't know if they wore raincoats. <laughs> don't don't you like the way that the older actors and stuff are so humble? Yes. And and it, and it's like, what can I learn from them that that you know, so that I can also be humble? Yeah, it, it's it's like uh, the other thing besides from being humble is how you know they're older now, and you'll hear like one of them the day before got rushed to the emergency <clears throat> ward, and they're on life support. And then when they get out of the hospital, if they get out, if they get out, they're back to their schedule. And they'll yep. call me up and say, oh, I'm, I was supposed to do an interview with you. Let's reschedule it for this day. And I'm thinking nowadays, <laughs> like, you know, actors and actresses, they'll be 18 years old. And they'll be suffering from exhaustion. That's right. That's right. <laughs> it's so true. It's so true. And 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 the, and that's what keeps him going. That's like Dick Van Dyke told me one time. He says, "I didn't take a dance lesson lesson in my life." And I go, "But I saw you on Chitty Chitty Bang Bang." Yeah, you saw me, but I didn't take a dance lesson. Yeah, uh, that's amazing. Because don't you put yourself through things? And yeah, and he still dances nowadays. Mm hmm. Which, you know, it hurts. Uh, my muscles get torn. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's so true. <laughs> well, how are you staying so healthy with all the traveling you're doing? Oh, God. I think I could drop this. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's certainly not through good living. It's like, like I'm eating the crappiest food. <laughs> you got a Mexican restaurant right above us oh, here. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I'll definitely hit that. <laughs> I talk about like it like it's like sex. It's like, oh, I'm gonna hit that. <laughs> <laughs> well, at our age, it is. Yeah. So. Just. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so now, where can people find your podcast? Uh, oh, that's uh, Gilbert Gottfried's amazing colossal podcast. You could check on my website. That's GilbertGottfried.com. And my Twitter is real Gilbert. Oh, and I also, uh, I think on Instagram. Uh, yeah. 
It's also real. Did you ever think that social media would become that one connection to people? Very weird. I, um, because I still, I, I, I feel like the exact second I started to get a vague understanding about how show business works, mm-hmm. it all changed. Yep. <laughs> you know, and also, I remember too, it's like, I, I used, I, it used to be, you could be in, uh, on a TV show in a crowd scene where they saw the back of your head for two seconds and the next day everybody would know who you are yep now i feel like you could star in five thousand shows a day <laughs> and people are going so you still work yeah that's right <laughs> I, I always call that the brian dennehy because brian yes. w- was everywhere yes. <laughs> <laughs> but you didn't know who he was and then until someone says yeah that's brian dennehy yeah. well now he's got a face and so <laughs> <laughs> well, congratulations on your documentary, too. Oh. And that's coming out next uh, month. Ah, uh, yes. But, and it's going to be seen in Tribeca? Uh, yeah, in Tribeca. Then I don't know what happens to it afterwards. What, what is that like for you? That I mean, Are you going to go see it? Or is it because I lived it, you can't I'm do it? More private screen yeah. of it. And it just, I'm okay watching myself. If I'm on a show or a movie, it's Joe the Mailman. Yeah. Then I feel like that's fine. Watching myself as myself. Then you're like Joan Rivers, you know, critiquing everybody, you know. I was like, <laughs> please, please. <laughs> Being so many years in the business, what, when was it that you realized that, wow, I'm a star? Oh, God. See, that's one of those things that I still, you still, it depends on what day it is and what time of day. Like, there are times where I'll feel like, oh, I'm a star. And then other times, like, where you go, oh, God, I I never made it. I never (laughs) did. And the way I start to realize that I've had success is I think back on the years at the comedy clubs for no money, just hoping to get on stage, and and all the millions of other people trying to make it who I forgot their names already. They, they're gone. I, I don't know if they're alive or dead. Right. And I'm thinking, but people come up to me and they want a picture with me. And I'm thinking, <laughs> that's, how, that's how I know. <laughs> Excellent. Thank you so much. Unplugged and totally uncut with Glenn Morrison. My body's full of body, but you could not come. Tried to wait, but I already had my fun. If you can't keep up, you better bite your tongue. When too much, I'll make it come undone. 
does your music include your full-time job? Are you in the studio all the time? I am, yeah. Like, I, I own a mastering studio. Um, I have a newly built room as well by Terry and the guys, and I have a great team that, that build this new studio for me. So I have a lot of client work that is, uh, you know, really the basis of what keeps me in here nine to five. So I have, uh, you know, I do a lot of mixing, mastering, production writing, creative writing for clients, and, um, you know, it's been a great, uh, it's been a great four years or so since I set the company up. But aside from that, of course, I have my, my Glenn Morrison music and, uh, you know, we have aliases as well for underground projects and different projects. And, um, really the core, the core root of it all is that I just love to make music and we try to find the most professional vehicle possible, depending on what the style is. You gotta love the way that the digital platform has opened up the door for you to express in any direction. Sure, yeah. I mean, like, yeah, for us, see, the internet's been great, but, uh, you know, I've been doing this for maybe 14 years when there was no MP3s, there was no Beatport, there was no, uh, it was a vinyl market. So, I mean, I've been doing this for quite a while and seeing the changes over time, and I still think at the end of the day, the, the you know, the root of all this is that we should be trying to strive for, you know, what is pure inside. Like, what, what kind of music do you want to make and what kind of vibe do you want? And it has to come from, like, a holistic place in a way. So that kind of form of record writing is very different than you know I would have thought like 10 years ago very differently so uh, it just you know you, as you grow up and you have your own experiences in life you uh, figure out the way that works best for you on a creative level you know as, as that producer and as that singer songwriter and somebody who also does your own music do you see the same evolution and revolution that we're seeing from this side of the speakers because it's almost like we're about ready to go through a major music change we're just looking for the open door to get it here quicker yeah, I mean, I touched upon this in another uh, interview I had recently where, you know, I think that the, the onus is upon the artist more than ever now to be able to have their own objectivity and a harder creative filter because, you know, back in the days, you know, there was uh, definitely the gatekeepers of the record industry and they would sign what, you know, they thought was good or not and um, and a lot of music was kind of just force-fed whereas now you have a lot of variety, a lot of choices, a million different ways of seeing different types of music uh, disseminated across many different types of mediums so you know in a way it's kind of you have this oversaturation of content and people in my opinion today still have a very hard time separating what is a great song from what is a poor song and the just because you have a lot of content doesn't mean that uh, the content is meaningful kind of thing right so the whole the whole onus is upon the artist to be very hard on themselves I think to be trying to do the best that you are capable of that you're proud of if you truly love something run with it but if you think it needs work or it's average at best don't put it on a free download it's just saturating the market you know what I mean you just you overload yourself so for me the focus personally has been just upon writing great meaningful music strong songwriting strong production and if it takes a long time to write a record then that's so be it but it should be coming from a from that kind of place more more about the songwriting than it is the you know, bang them out production quick stuff, you know? Well, and there seems to be a lot of that that's out there where it seems like everybody's playing the same yeah. formula game and it's like, break free of the and formula. 
indeed. No, indeed. Actually, it was a very interesting thing on Reddit the other day I saw where a guy, you know, compared three records at the moment that have almost virtually the same intros, and they're all in the top, you know, top 20 billboards at the moment. And, you know, they're big records and stuff, but they, yeah, like, there are strong, strong comparisons between these three intros. And in terms of the sound design, in terms of the style of production, in terms of, you know, the, the, the general sheen of it, the feel of it, the vibe of it, uh, it's overwhelmingly similar. So, I mean, at that point, you know, I don't really like to think about what other artists are doing. I'm just trying to be focused on, on myself. But, you know, I really, for me personally, I'm striving hard to be able to create, you know, very fresh, strong content, like very good songwriting. Oh, I need good songwriters. I need good vocalists. I need good session musicians. I need to create the package. And sometimes a song takes no time to create and sometimes it takes a year to create. I've had some songs go through like 10 different vocalists and all of them I just didn't quite feel in the end. Uh, and for whatever reason, we just never ran with it. So sometimes you have a lot of wasted expenses because, you know, you, you can't really force the creative process. You Just because you have a top line doesn't mean that that should be the top line that's used for the record. Even now, as I lay, as I lay, there's a space you used to take. When you talk about that being in the studio and stuff, right away I had this vision of, I, I've got this video of John Lennon looking through the glass window at the musicians as he was trying to create his sound. It's got to be a, a really fun journey for you, even though it seems like a chore to find the right vocalist, but the end result is the payoff. Oh, it's beautiful, yeah. I mean, the John Lennon thing is great. I, you know, I, I was just watching a documentary that really inspired me the other week, uh, Inventing David Geffen. I think it was like a PBS special or something in America, and, and it's just a really amazing documentary into the mind of, a, of an honorable and gifted man. He was really a genius in many respects and, uh, and, a, and a great visionary. And John Lennon was popped up and it was all part of that huge wave of an, in Asylum Records, right? In the 60s and 70s and stuff. And I think there's that holistic approach to record writing, which is really special. And it took me a long time to personally understand that. Like, I'm 30 years old now, which is not old by any measure, but um, you know, I've had time to work. I've worked in this record industry for maybe 14 years now, and and, uh, and I can appreciate some things that I did back then that were smart and some things that maybe could have been done better. And I think branding and marketing today is extremely important. So when you have a record, it has to kind of stylistically fit with the rest of the of what the brand represents. You can't just be releasing tons of different styles of music. Um, and have it all within the same face. You know what I mean? Like there need you, you can have very effective content if you're spreading it amongst different portals and create aliases and have that become a thing and 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 ultimately let the music speak to the people. If it doesn't resonate with people, then that's just that's that's what it is. But I should be from a record writer point of view, like a record producer point of view, I should just be concerned about sitting in the studio every day and trying to make the best music that speaks to me and whoever I'm working with at that time. You know. So what? And, what, what I love about your attitude is that you're, you're not the guy who's just going to accept the paycheck. If I'm going to come in there as a musician, then we're going to get the right sound. Definitely, definitely, and even Rick Rubin's like this. And it's not, it's not. It, it, this this approach that I'm taking is very much modeled after what I think have been true visionaries and true artistic greats. And, and to, to really get greatness, you have to be able to not think about. Um, you know, I'm just quickly making a like making a quick dollar, so to speak. So, you know, yeah, it, there it's a really hard line to draw in the sand because I'm not. That's just my my approach and attitude is also based on my situation in my own life too. Maybe it'd be a very different ball game if I if I didn't have the same kind of income stream or whatever it was or life situations or whatever, right? So everybody's personal situations 
can relate to how they go about the music industry, right? And that's something to be... I always try to act honorably and with dignity and with, with, with grace here, but it's hard sometimes when you, you don't want to take that simple road. So for me... I like to think that the records I'm releasing now, um, like we have I'm the King being the first one after quite a while. Um, you know, the whole new wave of records that are about to be released are all the new, like just new pieces that I've been working on over the past couple months. Some records I'm still currently working on production, trying to finish. But, you know, we want to have a steady stream of releases going out. And I think I'm the King is 24 or something right now in the billboards here in Canada. So that's wonderful. And radio play has been really great. And the feedback's been great. And just being able to release music that I love without having somebody chime down my neck and tell me what they think I should make. You know, um, I don't really find a big place for A&Rs in my situation now, you know, because I think I'm at a certain position where I should be able to just freely express what I want to express, you know, uh, musically speaking, you know what I mean? Yeah. Being from Montana, I grew up with a lot of Canadian music around me, and I've always been inspired by cool. Canadian artists, such as the Randy Bachmans of the world, who, who talked. we've talked several times, and he says, you know, you, you only think you know who I am. You haven't heard my entire journey, all the chances we take. What is it about Canadian music where you guys take such incredible chances and find success? I, I appreciate it, and I'm, I'm not sure. I think it's a headspace, really. I really, truly believe it's a headspace where, you know, you and, and also education. So when I talk about Rick Rubin or I talk about David Geffen, it's because I'm watching and reading books and watching documentaries and learning from what I would consider the greats of the music industry. And the proof is on the, in the pudding, too, right? With it, between Rick and David Geffen alone, their musical imprint throughout the last 50 years is unbelievable. And you can pick your own artists and your own people that inspire you, too, and people that are special that just have that that X factor and it's and it's really about it comes from a holistic place but all those people they come from a place of just like writing music for music's sake constantly you know especially in my situation now we're having um platinum and double platinum and gold records and things like this uh, the business aspect crops its head up all the time because we have to be fair with the feature fees for vocalists and co-producer fees and vocal tracking uh, whether you know if the singer's in LA well we got to take care and make sure she's in a good studio or he's in a good studio and sometimes I'm not in the physically present uh, depending on how the record's being written if there's a session musician like a bassist in, Nash in Nashville he well I just pay him you know a certain amount and he can record the bass parts for on top of the instrumental we have going or whatever you know and so there's a lot of moving parts and I, I'm personally trying to um, make sure that a lot of people are also paid for their work too and taken care of and compensated well because you know um, not everybody's touring as well so some people can be touring I personally at the moment am not, not doing so much touring I'm doing a lot more record writing at the moment but um, some people that don't tour don't get to monetize the same ways you know that touring artists can so there's all these different factors in the consideration man but I'm just coming from a holistic place. Like, I just want to be writing music, try, making great pieces of music. If I'm happy with it, my the overall vibe is like, let's go with this. I don't want to be held back by an A&R who's sitting in a small room, you know, in a commercial building. It's not holistic. It's not coming from the right place. Like, who is somebody else to tell me about my art? You know what I mean? Whether you like it or not, it's like completely your prerogative and <laughs> nothing positive or negative from that. But uh, I don't. it's not like I'm not making music to, to to be validated by random A&R people and stuff like that. I'm making it because I think it's great and um, you know the, like you touched upon in the very beginning of this interview um, 
people today have the access to the internet and the ways in which of disseminating that information, like we can do a lot of this ourselves. It's kind of going back to an artist market in a way, which is really wonderful. Um, you know, again, I'm just trying my best. I certainly don't have all the answers, but uh, I, I think I'm a much happier person day by day. I don't look at competition with my peers. I don't. Doesn't really matter to me what other people are doing, as long as I'm personally happy with my music making. I think that's really the point of this. You know, it's almost like we're, we've gone back to the the folk rock movement of the 1960s because there's a freedom to create. Oh, great analogy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I couldn't agree more. That's a great analogy. I don't know. Totally, totally. There's resonances there, and and we've seen we've seen so much growth from from even that era, and that's that's why I'm saying I, we're, we are headed into into a, 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 an exchange here that is just going to be so huge. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And I'm speaking to a lot of my friends and, and a lot of really, really big artists that are signed to labels are starting to kind of fly away and do their own thing and do it themselves and administrate everything themselves and have their own publishing teams and their own administrative and their own, you know, essentially, you know, setting up your own record label in a way and licensing out. And then the licensing seems to be very, very, very good formula for us right now. Um, and... Um, Frankly, it's kind of like if I'd rather just go where the wind blows. If the wind is telling me, well, let's just set up, you know, we like we set up two record labels for me this year, Dying Light, which is a commercial record label and uh, Fall From Grace, which is the underground club label. Um, I need to be able to freely express like my own my own creative interests without being hindered by like one particular you know label. I can't be putting out underground club records yeah. on the same label that I'm putting out Down the King, you know, these billboard records. It's just not appropriate. It's not that much more work is a bit more administrative and accounting stuff but from a branding perspective great now I have two vehicles where I can allow myself to be free and express myself in the music that I love that I like and um We'll see what happens, right? <laughs> I mean, we'll see how the records translate. I mean, the King seems to be good. It's just I haven't figured out America yet to tap into U.S. radio. I used to be looked after by Sony Canada, by Universal, by Robins in America. So I always was with major labels like the last five or six years, and I'm doing a lot of this stuff myself now with my own people and my team. But um, but we're a lot, we're very excited, right? Because it's coming from a very holistic place. Like it's about the record. It's not about the advances. I can easily go out and try to chase money and get advances for stuff but it, it, all that is is a glorified bank loan too right because you had to recoupable against the sales so it's not necessarily nice to chase advances because if they don't care about you or your strategy or whatever then that has more you know what I mean it's like yeah. w- way worse situation than taking that initial advance your, your energy and positive vibration reminds me so much of a good friend from London Ontario Paul Luffenager cool. Paul Luffenager speaks the same street I mean it's, it's like it is about organic it is about can we just all get along and write music that works indeed indeed and have a team that cares about me have people that actually give a shit and push for me and and, and, that, and that's a huge thing and I've been signed to so many record labels over the last uh, maybe 10 years of producing or 12, 12 years I don't know like I've been signed to a lot like and and um, sometimes you can get caught up in the factory wheel system where there's like distribution where they have to get certain records out per month and blah 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 and every artist has different calendars and some are bigger than others so some get more priority than others and there's just different scenarios that play from a corporate world and I appreciate that like I totally get it from a business perspective and to make sure that you make money so everybody gets to eat everybody gets to eat I, I fully appreciate that 
Um, so I'm at a, like I said, I'm at a, situ- a stage in my life where I think now um, I don't need to rest on advances and stuff from from labels. So it's a case of let me just be pure, release it myself, how I wish with my team. And I think that the, the you know the, the success of I'm the King was solely predicated on that whole basis. Like let's just do this ourselves, you know. And this was the first record, you know. I guess I'm, I'm comforted by the fact that it's doing well and still doing well right now on Canadian radio. Um, I just need to. It's a bit slower, you know, of a of a pace. Because for America, I'd love to get that record service to America. I don't have my American record label anymore, so I got to figure it out myself. But you know, in, in time, in time, we'll figure it out, <laughs> right? Yeah. Well, absolutely. Now, now, what what do we do about the the millennials who who they are the very first generation where they expect everything for free? What what happens yeah. to to that generation? Yeah, we've I've actively yeah, we talked about this a lot. We spent many hours of discussion on that, and we have the SoundCloud portal um, right now, a very actively engaging uh, community. We have through SoundCloud where we give out tons of free downloads. We actually gave out "I'm the King" as well as a limited time release download. Uh, basically, it's like so you have to like and follow or comment or something in order to download. And what and what it does is it fosters um, real, organic, positive community. If you you wouldn't be downloading the record. If you didn't like it, right? So the comments generally, like 99% of the comments, are always comments about the person liking the song uh, or something positive to that effect. And we're giving it away for free for a while. And I do recognize that some people don't have money at all, and they're going to download it for free on torrents. And that's just the way. That's just the way it is. Um, again, I'm not making music to. To, to care about every single dollar and penny that comes in from the record. Do you know what I mean? Like, I'm really just trying to do the best I can to monetize so I can have a good life and that also uh, everybody else that's working with me gets taken care of and we're just releasing music and having a good time. You know, that's really the biggest thing. I always try to take care of the vocalists, the co-producers. Everybody gets paid per DMs and studio fees and it's, it's really a way of all of us creative writers just working in the industry every day in the studio, you know? I had a Beethoven Moonlight Sonata. I think it has like almost three million spins wow. on the sound. Wow. And 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 that's a classical piano. It's just me practicing like Beethoven. And I don't know, like I, it just really caught off. So like there's those are all free downloads as well. And so there's Chopin. There's a whole bunch of stuff as well as of course my underground club stuff and I'm the King and Goodbye and the commercial stuff too. And you know we're just I'm just trying my best to <laughs> get more music out. I, I think the last the biggest problem we had before was there wasn't enough music of mine being um, released. It wasn't efficient. The timelines there was whole back people questioning records and which one should be the big big next single and which one should be the big next single and and you get that what, what is it called paralysis by analysis you know where there's, there's no confidence people are just kind of standing around and wondering and, and this is art it is it's art it we're is. talking about art here and it's like if you're gonna remember when neil young had that weird 80s album with the electronic kind of stuff and it was like an experimental one for him yeah yeah um you know, it was good that he did that because even if not a lot of people liked it compared to his other stuff, who cares? He did it because he's Neil Young. He's, he's totally allowed.
allowed to have that artistic freedom and expression and if it made him happy isn't that really what it's all about you know what I mean like who gives a shit if people don't <laughs> like it or they do like it really cares he loved it clearly he looked like he was having a ball in the music videos so like you know what I mean that's kind of my headspace is let this come from a very pure place be happy with the record writing and the records will speak for the records will speak for themselves you know I totally love your attitude we gotta do this more often we've gotta do this many more times in the future Glenn really appreciate the interview it was great man your questions and analogies and things were great and I'm really into this stuff like I'm, I love documentaries and reading and stuff about this and it's a fascinating industry you know as I get older we are unplugged and totally uncuts with Hannibal how do you prepare for what is about to happen I panic a lot <laughs> um, honestly the, the, it's really just a matter of keeping control of my emotions um, leading up to it and a lot of meditation a lot of uh, a lot of self soul searching and a lot of prayer because people are putting their weight on your back on your arms on your body exactly exactly right and I have no idea of, of what that entails I don't know ahead of time what they're going to write what their what their problem is what their weight is and, and there really is no sufficient way to prepare for it so I just have to gather my strength I study key energy because I'm a second degree black belt so I know what it's like to transfer energy from one mind into one body but you can't just drop it off once they dropped it off onto you. How long do you carry something like this? The last time I did it, and it's been a year ago because it, it kind of takes that long, um, uh, I carried it for, it was a good almost a week, like four or five days uh, before I was completely able to, to, to breathe as myself again. And this is no magic trick because the world knows you as Hannibal the magician, but this is actually more than just an, an expression. What, what would you describe what it is that you're doing? It's, I like to think of it as an art form. And if art is the act of taking your heart out and shining lights on it, then this is me doing that and inviting others to put theirs out in the light as well so it's um, it's like a group art project the artist tends to put his pain and his joy and whatever else he's got onto the canvas and so I'm going to be the canvas that takes a lot of guts doesn't it it ain't easy <laughs> it's <laughs> It's not a. It's not a very easy thing to do. It's not a. I don't. I don't know exactly how brave I would say I am, or, or how much courage it takes. But it, it it is very intense and it is very very stressful. Is is this almost like an act of shamanism, or even we can even go f further than that and say Buddhistivism? I mean, there there's so many different forms of spirituality. In it, it's almost like you've turned yourself into a human pincushion. Every everybody else's pain is being shot into you a little bit of that yeah there's there's definitely buddhism in it there's an there's an essence of christianity into it into laying your laying your burdens off on someone else or, or allowing someone to carry your pain away um so sure it, it is i mean it, it's more than just a physical act it's a very very 
it is a very very spiritual thing as well and 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 when you when you talk about the where the the transferring of pain and stuff like that what the average person doesn't realize is that they transfer it every day just by the words they use or even just by putting things up on facebook and this might open up their eyes and heart to to the the potential of them understanding on how easy it is for them to let things go Exactly. I, well, I hope so. <clears throat> I got, the last time I did it, I, I got, well, I'm, and I'm still getting just scores of letters and, and emails and messages. And and I, the effect was much bigger than I expected it would be. I, I honestly expected it to be contained to the room and maybe a little bit from what we posted up on social media. But it was picked up by, um, by Amanda Palmer. A friend of mine is a friend of Amanda's. And he linked her to uh, the blog post I wrote about it. And she put it up, and I got tens of thousands of views. And then, of course, hundreds of letters immediately followed that, too. So, and, and by and large, I'm going to say 99% of them were positive and, and understanding and uplifting you know, right back at me. So it did have a, a very positive effect. Uh, out there, which is why I decided to do it again. The most giving man in a circle of Native Americans is always the chief because it, it, the energy moves through him. Would you look at yourself as being a modern-day chief of sorts? No. No, I'm... I'm um, you said shaman earlier, mm-hmm. and maybe that's closer to what I am. Um, I have <laughs> I have certain obscure knowledges, you know, of how certain things work, and that's where the, the the magic show itself comes into. That's where my art comes into it. But I also put a lot of heart and soul and feeling into what I do, which is what gave me the idea and the purpose for doing what I'm doing tomorrow. I'm not I'm not a leader because I'm not I don't I just don't see myself in that role, quite honestly. Um, but if I'm needed my friends know they can come to me they know that i'm i'm available i know what it's like to to walk with spirit guides and keepers and there are many times that you pick them up along the way and and during that journey you you tend to you kind of pick up on on their their pains and stuff and you have to have those late night conversations as they travel through you do you find that in the pain afterwards that you've got to write things down to kind of communicate with those that are still moving through you oh yes Absolutely. Um, I have to, I mean, I'm carrying quite a bit and um, it's got to come out somewhere, you know, and, and the best, one of the best things that I find for relieving stress and things like that is to, is to write it down. And and some of it doesn't go any further than my laptop. You know, there's, there's pages and pages and pages in a diary that's just stuff that I put down on the screen um, that isn't for the public but there'll be a lot of public purging as well you know my feelings afterwards I think that's an important part of the process because with any art it's the preparation is one thing and that's done in secret and then the, the actual act itself happens for the public, and then afterwards, there's the the resounding, you know, the uh, the ripples in the water, and and you can't really control where that goes, but you can observe and further the act 
in the aftermath. With the energy of so many people moving through you at one time, do you believe there's a, I wrote a song one time, I turned the page, a thousand faces look at me for their reason to explain. Do you feel like that at one point in time, all people who have touched you are moving through you trying to be heard? Oh, absolutely. Yes. I mean, that's, isn't that part of the role of any artist? It is. There's a, and, and, and yet we're labeled weird. We're, we're labeled the, the <laughs> outsiders. And, and that's the part I don't understand because it's not that you want to be labeled the healer, but at the same time, it's, it's, it's kind of a weird place to be hanging your hat. It is, but it's a gift. And, and if you're not using the gift, you know, you're, you're abusing the gift or you're dis, disrespecting the gift. An old friend of mine once said that the regulars, the normal people, the people that don't consider themselves weirdo and don't understand, you know, the artists in the art world, they would really, really miss it if it went away. Yeah. I mean, we're the ones that were picked on in high school. We're the ones that were put down and, and labeled and everything else. But we are, we are the grease that keeps the engine moving. You know, we are the, we are the seasoning in the meal. It's not just the meat and the potatoes. We are the we are the garlic and the salt and the, the 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 flavors that we put into it. And while it might be looked down on by some people, and not everybody likes everything, but if it all went away, they really really miss it. Do you mindfully live in the present? Try to. You would have to to be able to take everybody's energy and to be able to. You don't channel it, and you don't file it away. I, it, that's the mystery to me, is that what are you doing with all these people when you've got somebody like Howie Mandel that doesn't ever want to be touched? I know, and that's part of what, I, what I'm doing it for, too. You know? um, my two biggest things, and this will be talked about in the show in more detail, but my two biggest things are my own body image and the way I know that I look. I don't feel, in my mind's eye, I, I see myself... As different, but I, I'm very, very grounded in reality as to my body type and what I look like. The other thing is, is that I have a really, really big problem with being among a crowd. I can stand in front of a thousand people. I can stand in front of 50 people and have no problem talking and relating and, and interacting, and that's fine. And one-on-one -on -one or small groups, two, three people, I'm okay with that too. But if it becomes more than four or five I withdraw and I get really uncomfortable and I, I find it very hard so I'm inviting dozens of people to surround me and touch me and write their thoughts and their feelings on me that's the other thing that I'm dealing with besides just the taking away of their pain I'm putting two of my big hang-ups out there right up on the stage so it's almost like me when I ran into a rattler up in Montana. I went out, first thing I did, I went out and got a bow constrictor so I could get over my fear of snakes. Mm -hmm. So exactly. you, your fear I'm, in reality is people. That's the artist in you. Yeah. What do you think of the theory of does learn to, to display your art so that you can also learn to ignore criticism? Is that Does that play any role in this? There are critics already. I've been getting, I've already been getting some negative feedback, some negative letters, and, you know, I'm doing this only for attention, and I'm doing it only for, you know, money or whatever. Um, and it doesn't, the more often I perform, the less those things sting, but of course those are the ones that stand out more than the positives. 
again, you carry those things forward, too. I mean, because there's things that I did in the 1970s that I'm still carrying forward. Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I entertain hundreds of people, maybe thousands of people. You know, I've got lots and lots of people who love what I do, but I'm still fixated a lot on a street preacher from five years ago who got in my face for being evil and and promoting deception and and just really railed on me. And and I think about that more often than I think about the good things. I I can only imagine when that moment was taking place, how you, you did, you went inside, didn't you? And you let your eyes do the talking. Yes. I knew it. Yeah, exactly. Because you're very good at that, Mister. <laughs> well, that's that's part of the gift, you know. <laughs> that's, and I just, that's why we have long hair, man. It's part of the mask. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it is part of the mask. It's definite. I made the mistake of shaving my beard off a month ago, and I'm no, 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 no. That was a bad one. <laughs> <laughs> so now, to to come to an event like this, is this a, an invited, you know, uh, an invitation type of thing, or is it open? to the public it is open to the public anybody can show up and it's in and Noda which is Friday night Friday night doors open at 945 the show begins at 10 o'clock uh, it is a pay what you want you can pay nothing you can watch the whole show for free you can make any size donation and at any time you don't even have to pay at the door come in and sit down and pay what you want as you leave you know, there's no obligation. There's no anything. There is a wonderful musician, uh, River Nuri, who's going to uh, do a, a, a viola selection of, of things that she finds precious. Um, my friend Megan Skye is going to, she's doing a speech. I'm not even sure what she's going to talk about, but she is a, a brilliant, a brilliant thinker and a brilliant presenter. And she's going to put forth some truth. Then Hannibal's going to do his regular evening of magic which is exciting and fun and, and uh, time traveling and uh, and thoughtful and then after a very brief intermission where we give people the opportunity to leave if they want to um, we'll do the uh, we'll do what I call the naked truth and this begins at 10 o'clock or all these events take place before 10 o'clock the doors open at 9:45 river is going to take the stage at 10 uh, everything will wrap up by 12 1230. You ready for this? This is your second time, but I got to ask you are, you, are you, are you spiritually ready for this? Almost. Yeah. Oh, by the way, the venue is called Upstage. I didn't mention that. It's Upstage in, in Noda. Uh, no, I'm not, Arrow. I'm not right now. I'm, I'm sitting here terrified and preventing myself from canceling. Yeah, we artists get that little feeling inside of our stomachs, don't we? And then it, mm-hmm. then it starts invading our mind, and then, then your body starts hurting. You go, well, I guess I'm sick. I better call in. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I'm still 36, 35 hours out. You know, I've still got some time before I have to commit. And um, it's uh, it's very stressful, but I'm and it's going to happen. I'm going to make it happen. That's, that's part of my commitment and part of who I am, you know? I'd love to be a fly in the wall when it's all over and you sit down with a writing instrument or even sitting behind your computer and you start putting things down because it would be interesting to find out uh, what co- what comes out of the collision. I'm interested about that too. <laughs> um, last time uh, I was surrounded by friends. I had I had my daughter was there and, and a whole bunch of uh, a whole bunch of friends showed up and just. I mean, literally surrounded me and held me for a good 30 minutes after it was over. Um, 
so we'll we'll see what happens this time. How can somebody follow you, sir? Um, the the main webpage is uh, themagicartist.com. Uh, that's you know my public persona. You can find me on uh, on Facebook under Christopher Hannibal. Follow me there. Um, Twitter, Instagram, all that is Magic Artist. Um, I'm fairly easy to find. Hannibal Magic, and you'll find me all over the web. I want you to come back next week, only because I would love to talk with you after this has happened and see where your where your mindset is. Will you do that? Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. Love to. All right, that, all right, that's what we'll do. So we'll call this Part 1, Hannibal. <laughs> <laughs> part 1, Hannibal. You got it, man. You got it. <laughs> you have yourself a brilliant day today, sir, okay? Thank you very much. Right. Talk to you soon.